0: This is The Power of Books. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of The Power of Books. My name is Timo Jübner, I'm the founder of Timo's Notes, and every week I interview popular non fiction authors about their best selling books. The goal of the show is to introduce you to new books and provide you with helpful advice and practical tools to improve your life. My guest today is Nick Braggs. Nick is an actor, public speaker and the author of Move Your Mind. He's also an acclaimed mental health advocate and has delivered more than 1,000 mental health seminars around the globe, including two TED Talks. In this conversation today, we talk about Nick's own personal battle with mental health, the stigma around mental health in society, the four practical pathways to mental health and well-being he shares in his book, and a lot more. So now let's get right into our conversation. Enjoy the show. Nick Braggs, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. i like really, really glad we're able to do it. We've been chatting a little bit online and you know, you were nice enough to do a post about my book and I'm super glad to be able to sit here with you and through technology have this conversation.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time. I'm really looking forward to this so you're the author of move your mind and you start your book with in my opinion some really mind-blowing numbers about about mental health could you maybe mention one one or two of those and explain what they're all about
1: absolutely so um i mean i don't have the book on hand right now and i haven't looked at it so i can't quote the exact numbers but i do talk a lot in there about the figures you know we've got things like you know one of them and this is a really heavy one but when it comes to suicide you know one person around the and around the world commits suicide every i think it's about every 30 to 60 seconds now which is which is just crazy and when you look at the amount of money lost in the economy due to mental health issues in the workplace that aren't being treated it's billions of dollars globally um and that's because you know and and a lot of the work we do with Move your Mind is going into these companies and trying to educate them on you know how they can become more self aware and you know have more open conversations, share their thoughts and feelings and you know all these things that you don't traditionally actually do in a company, and what it's doing is it's causing burnout it's causing people to eventually crack and quit their jobs or you know have too many sick days, and the numbers are crazy because you know you can even be present at work but not operating properly not actually being productive because you're not addressing your other parts of your life and you're not looking after yourself so yeah there's a lot of figures around it and it really reinforces you know just why it's so important that we have these conversations
0: yeah and you make that point in the book for sure so even though this is such a big thing and so many people are affected there's still kind of a stigma around talking about the topic of mental health. Like, why do you think is that? And what can we do to fix it?
1: I think that's a really good question. And I totally agree. I mean, I think the positive thing is the conversation has increased in the you know last period of years. It's more talked about. There's more awareness. There's more initiatives. I've seen that in Australia and I've seen it starting to happen globally. I think Australia is actually ahead of a lot of countries. I've been living in New York and I feel like America's actually very behind in where they're at on a, on a broad sense with it. But like you said, you know, like I got into this over 10 years ago and at that time no one was talking about it. It was incredibly taboo and now we're at a point where it's talked about everywhere. People know about it and it's, you know, there's a lot of good things out there but in some ways what's happening is people are jumping on that trend and just trying to use it to capitalize and make money out of how can I do whatever this new, you know, startup is in in mental health. But I think at the core, the grassroots level, like what you are saying, people don't realize there's a long way to go. You know, what we actually should be focusing on is how can we further that conversation? How can we educate men to, you know, really become more comfortable with being themselves, with talking about what they're going through and not feeling like they're gonna be judged because it might sound like, you know, on, on that, on that um, broad level from what we're hearing in the media and seeing on social media and seeing from whatever other people are saying that it's advanced that much, but on the real day-to-day grassroots level in companies, communities, you know, different um, communities around the world, there's such a long way to go, like you said, and we need to be focusing on that in, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, you make a really good point in the book when you say that nowadays it's normal when somebody, for example, has a broken leg or something like that, that they are not going to be at work or that they need rest and and like it's normal that they are get the treatment and everything. But if people have mental health issues, it seems like it's not normal. So like people make like the the ones affected might feel like they are not allowed to share this or 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 like call in sick because of that at work. And stuff like that so we really as you say in the book and i'm just basically re- rephrasing what you're saying but we should really make this get to a point where it's the same thing it doesn't matter what you have in terms of health whether that's physical or mental it should be treated the same way
1: i agree yeah absolutely i mean that's the thing it's like if you're a, a human you're going to have, you know, physical things happen. You're going to have problems that you have to deal with. It's impossible not to over the course of a lifetime. And again, if you're human, it's basically impossible not to, you know, have mental health related things that you have to deal with. Unless you're a robot, you know, we're, we're human. And whether you're a male or a female or whoever the hell you are, it doesn't matter. You're going to feel emotions. You're going to have ups and downs. It's literally impossible. It doesn't matter how rich you are how famous you are who your parents are what who your friends are what you know position you're in every single person is going to you know we're we're not we we can't avoid it so i think until we get to that point where it is literally same as seen as the same thing uh and people don't you know question that part of it that, that you know there's still huge huge way to go
0: mm, yeah um for context for the listeners i want to talk a little bit about your personal story with mental health and and why you're now such a big advocate for this so i think the the biggest story that you share in the book is when you had a car crash as a young adult could you could you maybe talk about that a little bit
1: yeah so that i mean yeah for anyone listening i have been a mental health advocate for Oh God, it would be probably 12 years now. I got into it in my early 20s and I, growing up, suffered from OCD, severe anxiety, overthinking. It manifested in um, extreme behavior patterns. So I was training sort of six, seven hours a day, wanting to be a professional middle distance runner at the the time as like a 12-year-old. I wouldn't be sleeping properly and I was just driving myself into the ground and it delayed my physical development for a number of years and a whole lot of psychological problems came from it. And I'd also grown up in a, a well-known family. So my dad was one of the biggest politicians in Australia. So since I was 12 years old also, you know, we're in the media, people knew who we were. I, I, I'm the eldest of of um, three kids. So I was sort of the one who was more prominent in the media. And then when I finished at school, I got into modelling work I was on reality shows and, you know, it became much more prominent. I actually became, you know, well-known, um, had a public profile myself in Australia. And and it was while I was dealing with a lot of these issues. So I'd be out partying and I was abusing alcohol. And when I was in this really dark period, I dropped out of two courses at university. I was lost. I didn't see a future. I um, didn't know what I wanted to do or who I was because I had identified as being a, a professional athlete my whole life and I couldn't do that anymore. And... And and also felt like because my dad was so successful in politics that, and I was you know and same as my siblings, you we know, were all known for being the kids of this well-known politician. I felt like I didn't have any self-worth, and you know I couldn't whatever I did, you know it doesn't really matter. It's going to pale in comparison to to what my dad's done. So I was really self-destructive and hated myself. Had no self-esteem. Uh, didn't know you know what the hell. To do, didn't want to see a future. I felt numb. I got to that point where, um, and it's why you know what I remind myself when I'm doing this awareness work. I, um, you know, never got to the point where I was suicidal, but I got to the point where I felt so empty and so numb and so um, lacking in purpose that I just could not see a future. I didn't want to see a future. I didn't want a solution. I just wanted everything to stop. And it's almost impossible to describe the feeling because it goes on 24 seven all day, every day for long periods. And you feel like you basically have been put in a prison cell and you know, they've thrown the key away and there's no way to get out and there's no solution. And the gift that came out of that for me was it gave me the, um, the sort of it gave me empathy for other people and an understanding of what people go through. And it's easy to forget that. And even now, I'll sort of can be dismissive sometimes thinking um you know why can't that person just get through this and i remind myself hang on let's you know let's think back to what you felt then and this person you know everyone feels their own version of whatever they're going through so it really gave me that reminder so i'm going on a bit of a tangent here but um while all this was happening that led to this car crash so that was sort of the pinnacle of you know drinking getting in these um you know sometimes life-threatening situations from abusing alcohol drinking till i'd black out um, passing out you know in unknown sort of places and um you know getting just getting into really dangerous. i won't go through them all but you know getting into really dangerous situations and one of them was you know i'd been out and um had come back with my best friend i'd actually grown up with this friend since i was were kids and we um, got home and I wasn't thinking clearly, he took the car out for a drive to get food or something and he was lying in the backside of the car, both incredibly drunk and um, I was going sort of, you know, 90 or 100 kilometres an hour on a main road, it's raining, I, something in my head clicked, what am I doing, went to turn the car around while I was going that speed and it lost control and just span around in circles Um and it was literally like, you know, it is like something in a movie where I remember it spinning. I was playing um, this old cassette of the Red Hot Chili Peppers that had Under the Bridge on it, full blast. And I just remember hearing these lyrics blaring of this really, you know, emotional song and, you know, seeing houses in front of me while the car's spinning and just thinking, you know, having the time in this split second thing to think, you know, I'm, tw- I'm 20 years old. What have I done here? I'm, I might die right now. Like, I don't want to die and my friend my best friends in the car what i've done to him like this can't be the meaning of my life and all these things happening and ended up wrapping the car around the tree and luckily he was lying down and luckily he jumped up as it hit otherwise he would have actually been killed because his head was facing the side of the car that got crushed in half um so he had to get surgery, and you know there was no long term damage, but it was a severe thing. It became a, the biggest story in Australia for a, a number of weeks and um you know it was sort of one of the it actually didn't wasn't the turning point I thought it would be, and then I fell back into the same behavior patterns but it was one of a series of events that eventually led me to getting help and you know going on the journey that I've been on and and you know then spending so much of my life um going and just speaking walking into companies into schools on media wherever i could um just using my voice to educate and um it's it's sort of really pushed me on that trajectory so that's i guess you know in a long-winded way i know you just asked about the car crash but i thought i'd just give a bit of a backstory around it as well but um that's a long-winded answer to to that
0: yeah that's perfect no and I asked the question actually to give the listeners context that you're not like many others out there somebody who just talks about this but hasn't really experienced it himself. Like you've actually, and this isn't like supposed to be a good thing but you have, you've experienced this and you kind of know what you're talking about and you have come out of this place. like You have, I would say, turned your life around. So you that's why you speak about it now and give people the tools that helped you. So I just wanted to to get that um, out there for context for listeners so you also um, talk about that you uh, had therapy uh, when you were going through that so maybe for someone right now who feels like they are in a dark place and and they fear kind of taking that step going to therapy what would you tell someone like that what therapy is like and, and maybe why they should do it or if it's a good step
1: Definitely. I'd say, um, you know, number one, mental health is incredibly complicated in the sense that, you know, there's no one size fits all. Therapy is an incredibly important piece of the puzzle. Um, But even therapy alone without taking action yourself and doing other things won't be enough. So it's sort of a combination of lots of things. And I think therapy is a really important part. I think with therapy, it's something that every single person on the planet should do at some point in their life and we should all continue doing you know ongoing as much as we can because again it's like saying um you know I only want to go to the gym when I need to lose weight or when I really get out of shape it's like well I personally think and I think you know science would back this up that everyone would benefit from exercising every day it's good for you it's great for your mental health you feel good it's what we're actually built to do we're not built to be sitting down you know, all the jobs that we do now, or most of them, we're sitting at a computer staring at a screen where, you know, our body and our mind um, is not built for that. So I think therapy was really important. If you're going through something, I think it's critical. Uh, so my, my message always is, and again, what we try and do with Move Your Mind, it's two things. How can we educate people in a really simplistic way where anyone can just understand, okay, here are some th- first steps that I can take that are really practical. Number two, what can I do to empower myself to take control? An example is, you know, in my own life, I, and this has all been through trial and error, but I found things that work for me. I meditate at least once a day. I go to the gym every day. I try and do gratitude journaling. I have people that I'm close with that I can talk openly about what I'm going through. That's really important to me. Um, I, acting, you know, pursuing that's been really important as a creative outlet for me so I found these things over a long period of time and I refine it and I keep refining it now but finding your own version of that and only no one can say you know what is the right or wrong thing for someone Um, I think there's a lot of this motivational crap out there where these people are saying you know I've got the formula to help you be more productive or to help you become the best version of yourself or to the best fitness program or i've got the mindfulness thing that's going to help it's like it's all bullshit, you know it's a there's no one size fits all it's like it, sorry yeah it's like whatever works for the person so i think it's really important and i think if the message to anyone that's struggling with anything is just do something you know that this is what i say i've always said the one there's only one thing you should not do and that's doing nothing so if you're struggling taking the first step is the hardest thing so it you know go and find a therapist if you can't do that go and talk to someone if you don't feel comfortable talking to someone go and download an app and you know do that if you don't know where to go like or you're embarrassed literally type into google free mental health helpline and whatever country you're in things will come up you can call them that'll be the first step that will lead to you then taking other action. so i think it's just so important that we understand that and just you know because the longer you sit on it the worse it will get so just taking action is really important
0: Mm. yeah i love that that the worst thing you can do is do nothing um you you quickly touched on or mentioned the current culture and like hustle culture is a term these days and, and i guess you probably don't like it very much what's your take on because also when you shared your story about practicing like six or seven hours a day as a child like some people might see or hear this and think well you know you had a goal and you worked so hard and that there's something admirable but what do you think um, like is it or is it actually like as you said Uh, counterproductive
1: i mean yeah i think it's good to work hard in the right way but and i've been living in america which is the you know the sort of epicenter in new york the epicenter of hustle and trying to you know capitalism and greed and trying to acquire more things and i think the problem is we live in a world where people are at all costs just wanting to make more money become more famous to get you know to one up everyone and i think that whole hustle culture is incredibly unhealthy and i think it's not conducive to making people happy because we should work hard but i think we do things in the wrong order because like to work it's as hard if not harder, arguably harder to work on yourself and your personal development and you know find who you are what's your purpose what do you want to do how are you going to do it you know that whole process is really difficult and time-consuming so I think we should spend the time on that first and then once you find it then you can you know I mean it's still not going to be healthy to hustle as hard as these motivational speakers say you could should and I don't think it's sustainable anyway like I think they're saying things that you know no one people aren't going to be you know getting up at four thirty in the morning working 16 hours a day seven days a week for 10 years and doing this doing that it's like not not sustainable and even if it is sustainable you know what like life's short why don't we enjoy our life as well um and i say these things you know in a contradictory way because i can fall into it myself and i put a lot of pressure on myself and get obsessive and want you know certain things but i don't think that's good so i think that that's a really important thing you know and once you do find what you want to do, um, then finding a way to, to work at that and in you know, a in a healthy and practical way. But I think because so many people are lost, and because cult- culture and you know society's told us that we just need to make money and do this and blah blah blah. People, you know, are just doing things they don't really care about. You know, get rich quick schemes. People that are jumping on crypto and web three and all this stuff that I don't freaking even know anything about. I'm sure there's people that actually genuinely like it and are interested, but there's a lot of people that think, how do I just quickly, you know, make money and I'm going to do this and I'm going to become the next big thing. It's like, well, why don't you just find something you actually care about and just do it, you know, and then hopefully you can excel at it and become the next big thing. But even if you don't, you're actually doing something that gives you meaning and purpose. And I think if everyone did that, the world becomes, you know, a significantly better place in, in interactions. And, you know, we can't. you can't even talk to people anymore. You sit there and you talk to someone. And that's why I love these podcast interviews, like what we're both doing, um, because these are real conversations. We're sitting here, you know, for 30 to 60 minutes and just actually listening and talking to each other. That doesn't happen in real life very often now. You know, even with the, even if you're with a friend, you're sitting there, and I think anyone listening knows what this is like, When you're sitting talking to someone you see their eyes glazed over and they're sort of nodding in acknowledgement but they're not listening you know if you said to them hey you know can you repeat what i just said to you they don't they don't literally don't remember they don't know what you said because no one can focus anymore so yeah i think that's all a byproduct of this you know so-called hustle culture
0: Hmm. yeah one point you made that i really support and, and something that i've heard In other places, too, what I think is the difference is that you should work hard when you're working, but you should not work hard at all times. Like, there is time where you're not working, and then you should do whatever you're doing hard, like cooking hard, eating hard, working out hard, but you don't have to work. So I think that's the difference to, like, just work while you're at work, and then when you're in other places or with other people, then you're, like, not working anymore. Exactly. uh, Especially like, because right now I'm working from home and this also was a huge thing during the pandemic. And I realized that that made it really difficult to separate work from private life because suddenly you have like all your hardware and everything at home. And and, like, if you you don't have a big apartment or anything, you're sitting at the same table or same desk um, in your free time than in your work. And then it, it, that makes it really hard to separate the two things and kind of get your thoughts off of work and and I think that this has really affected many people as well. So oh, um,
1: majorly, yeah, totally agree. It's so hard to switch off. And same with me. I work mainly remotely now, and you know I lo- I like it, but then it can be really hard to switch off, and it can be hard. You know, it can it can get depressing as well. You want to be around other people. You want to be physically around them, bounce things off people, not just staring at a screen and having Zoom calls all day. So it can be, you know, everything's got positives and negatives. But I think it's, again, you know, part of the realisation of whatever the hell we do, there's going to be positives and negatives. So how do we make the most of a situation? And, you know, in companies, we're seeing this a lot now where burnout's just becoming such a big thing because COVID's made so many things go remote. And it means that, you know, there's no sort of there's no boundary now of when they do and don't work and their boss might be calling them at, or sending them an email or message at you know 10 at night and expecting them to reply so then you're not not switching off so i think creating those boundaries and um you know it's hard to do but trying to find a way to create those boundaries is so important because otherwise we will just get burnt out you know we won't have quality of life
0: yeah i totally agree do you have some kind of end-of-day routine that you do when you when you finish your workday to kind of get your mind like to give yourself closure for the workday? Um, I just made a, a skit
1: about it last night, so it's it's called getting into bed with a bag of chips and watching Netflix and eating the whole thing until your stomach feels like it's gonna burst open. <laughs> I um I highly recommend you don't do that and that became a bad <laughs> a bad habit for me. Um and I but I cuz I'm like really good in the morning and I I get up, I go to the gym, I meditate, I work all day, but then night time's is the thing I'm actually trying to work on more because what happens for me is I'll do all these things and then I'll unwind and then you know I'll sort of be wanting to watch a movie and just do that. So what I, what I was doing before that would be meditating before, you know, in at night as well, I find really important because, and I think a lot of people can relate to this where, um, so I'm not going to say what I do do um, because my nighttime thing is actually something I need to fix. And I think it's, you know, important to be honest about these things. Um, but what I should be doing would be, yeah, um, meditating at night because I think, you know, like we're talking about, it's hard to turn off from work. And when you're staring at screens, you're stimulated all day, if you don't separate yourself from the screens you know give yourself maybe an hour or two before you go to bed not looking at screens not using technology meditating to slow your mind down and then you know not eating too close to when you go to bed um, trying to have a regular you know time that you go to bed and again I'm horrific with this because I'm um, you know I'm, I'm like I was saying I'm good with the other parts but because I've especially I've been living in New York and my business is in Australia and I'm sort of some of my work's in New York, some's in Australia. So I'll be up sometimes till two in the morning having meetings and then you go to bed and then you wake up later and then the next night you're going to bed earlier. So, you know, I think that's really bad. But we're actually, our body and our mind responds really well if we have a regular bedtime, a regular time we get up. So I think that's, you know, all of those things are so important. Um, and, you know, sleep is, we all know obviously how important sleep is, but there's more and more science coming out about it. And it's, you know, it, it it's probably the most important thing sleep and diet you know and um it's so linked to our mental well-being and if we don't get enough sleep you know there's so many side effects from it short and long term so yeah it's it's such an important thing so basically anyone listening to this just do the opposite of what i do in not, in your end of day routine
0: and you'll you'll be good so so don't grab a bag of chips don't take your phone to the bed then you're good <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. yeah but it's good that you're honest about it because evening routine is also something that i haven't really figured out yet like as you said i kind of know what i'm supposed to do but then it's so hard to actually like do it and get to bed get in bed on time and everything so yeah i also have these days where i just get to bed like a couple hours later as usual and then the next morning is crap but it happens exactly we we also shouldn't be too hard on on ourselves
1: hundred percent, you know, like, like, yeah, we shouldn't be so hard on ourselves. We can't do everything. We don't need to do everything. We don't, there's no such thing as perfect anyway. So it's just, I think it's finding, you know, what works for you. I would like to fix the nighttime stuff and get it better. I don't want to perfect it because for me, the thing that is really important that I get personal value out of is getting up, going to the gym, you know, doing the, my routines during the day that, that really, you know, is good for my mental health my self-esteem getting my mind right all that sort of thing that works for me and i would be better if i did the nighttime stuff but like you said you know we don't one thing at a time and you want to find balance and enjoy life and not make it so rigid and you know when you hear all these stories and again these people on social media that are screaming how amazing they are and that they only sleep four hours a night and they do everything perfect it's like you know what i don't believe them i don't think humans are meant to live like that and if these guys are doing it good on them i don't want that life because that sounds shit that sounds like your life would be so fucking boring <laughs> that you know fuck <laughs> it I'd, I'd rather just enjoy life if that's like what you have to do
0: yeah the problem with social media in my opinion is that you can create a picture of yourself the way you want others to see yourself like you could only show one part where you're disciplined but there are other parts that you just don't show where you're like not disciplined at all. Or like you can only exactly. show the cool stuff you do, but then all the bad stuff you don't have to show. So so people exactly. need to be aware that social media is just a highlight reel. And it's hard, especially for young people, I guess, because they might not be aware of it yet. Um But the more I use it, the more I realize, well, these people are just sharing the good parts. like, And then you look at it and might feel bad about yourself because you're sitting at home, you know, these people are sitting at home too. They just don't share it. So,
1: exactly. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think it's really terrifying for, you know, I'm 35 now and I grew up um, without tech, you know, technology hadn't taken over. We didn't have social media. I didn't have a phone till I was 15 or 16. So I was out in the park playing with my friends, you know, kicking balls around, climbing trees. And it scares me like what is going to happen to these kids that are growing up with, all they've ever known is social media technology you know 24 7 their brains are developing with these devices and i've seen how bad it can be even if you didn't grow up with it um so it, it's really terrifying and i think something has to change eventually i don't know how whether the government can intervene or how the hell it happens but i it is bad it's really bad i think it's only getting worse and it's not going to change anytime soon unless something drastic happens so it's it's it, I think it's one of the biggest issues that we face in in this mental health, you know, area.
0: Oh yeah, I totally agree. Like, I mean, I'm not I'm not an age yet where I'm thinking about having kids, but in my opinion, the parents really have to take the responsibility to monitor how much time do they they their kids spend on these devices and on social media and everything. But that's not happening, and that's the issue. I think I think totally. parents really have to to be responsible. For their kids but yeah i'm trying i will hopefully do that one day but you know that's a couple of years down the line you you know you don't know what will be the status quo then <laughs> like what kind of new technology emerges but yeah i plan I agree. to do that
1: i yeah. agree with you though That's the same with me and you know i think it comes down the two key areas i think parents, like you said you know because a lot of the stuff that we're taught emotionally It's from, it's a generational thing where our parents never got taught emotional skills from their parents and it goes back so far. So someone's got to break that cycle. So if your parents haven't done that to you, you've got to be the catalyst to say, I'm going to change myself and I'm then going to break this whole cycle and I'm going to educate my kids on an emotional level. So I think that's one critical area. The other critical area is schooling. You know, the schooling system is totally archaic. It hasn't changed for so long. And it doesn't suit the modern world. And we need, you know, there's a little bit of it happening, but there should be core emotional learning subjects and it should be something that we're taught from a very young age and it's embedded into us because I think it is not only a an important part of life, I think it's the most important part of life because it affects everything every day. Relationships, how we think about ourselves, what we do, how we look at the world, you know, everything, every single thing. So I think it's just those two key things, I, I think are critical to the long term you know because a lot of the stuff out there at the moment is um band-aid solutions the things the government put forward, band-aid solutions very important you know if someone's not well we need to treat them what do we do you know these services are critical but there's nowhere near enough good preventative things out there and that's where the you know huge effort huge resource huge amount of money government everything there should be so much going into that because i think that's the only way we can actually make long-term change.
0: Yeah, that's one hundred percent right. So before we get into what you call the four practical pathways for people to to implement in their life, um, I want to touch on because I heard you say that um, when you took when you started taking acting classes, that was one of the best things you could do um, or you have done for your personal development. So why is that? Like, well, what's so so good about it? And how can you like maybe other people use it too for themselves
1: yeah totally i think i i love that you brought that one up and i really do believe that i i mean i i got into acting in my mid 20s um or a bit later even you know 26 27 i got into acting um and i was incredibly shy i was you know had no self esteem i didn't know how to express myself i was afraid to look someone in the eyes and talk to them and I was sort of falling into public speaking at the time, which I found, you know, incredibly difficult. And I was, you know, so, I was bad at it at the beginning and I was terrified to stand in front of anyone. Um, and I I always was interested in the acting and it was after I'd been on some reality shows and I thought, I'll oh, I'll just give it a go. And I was terrified and I was horrible at the beginning. I couldn't remember lines. I was embarrassed to read the lines in front of everyone. Um, but once I properly got into it, I, I started... I fell in love with it because I started learning, you know, really acting is just psychology. All it's about is understanding yourself and other people. You know, you can't, you cannot play another character if you don't know yourself well enough because you've got to know yourself well enough that you can separate yourself from the character and try and understand, um, you know, what the character's going through. And you can't play another character if you don't um, have the ability to, um look at other people without judging them. So if someone is behaving in a negative way that you don't agree with to play that person, you can't just sit there and think they're a shocking person. You got to sit there and think, "Hey, where's the humanity in this person? What did this person go through that led them to these bad decisions they're making or this bad behavior? What's actually happened? You know, did they have all these traumatic events happen to them growing up? Did their dad treat them badly? Did they I don't know you know did they go through some hugely traumatic event what actually happened and then once you really go and dig into that you can then look at oh actually you know what I've got empathy for this character I don't agree with their behavior but I can understand it and then you've got to put your mind in that to play them and I think it's you know makes you learn so much about yourself it makes you have to remove your ego it makes you learn about other people and just have an understanding in general which I think is critical and we don't I think in the world now, we need more of that than ever because we live in a world of um, echo chambers where everyone, if if someone's got an opinion about something, we don't need to be challenged anymore. We can just go online and find a group of people. You know, if I believe that vaccines are going to kill you, I can just go and find a group that agree online and I don't have to have a critical conversation with anyone else, you know, and about it. I can just stay in my little group and reinforce my belief and that's it and that's not incredibly unhealthy even if you're you know and who knows you know it's not and there's so many lesser situations like that where it's not about who's right or wrong it's about critical conversation and being able to both have different opinions in a healthy way and using fact and using you know using logic and intelligence to to try and work out what is right and what's wrong or what's you know what's the right answer here so i think it's a really you know Anyway, that's what I like about acting. I'm sort of going on to another area now.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's such an important point that you just mentioned that people or many people really have trouble having conversations, like critical conversations or discussions with other people if they have a different opinion. And I think that's also a symptom of of the social media world. But it's so important to also talk to people who don't think the same way and yeah so I love that you brought this Very up cool. actually so yeah. yeah yeah Um one method you mentioned in the book that I wanted to ask you about because I haven't heard it before is the Perdicamp emotional method and I'm not sure if I pronounced that right but yeah I think you know what I'm referring to so what is that all about Yeah so
1: Perdicamp emotional method PEM I um I actually got into this about 3 years ago during covid so um it started in Germany. Um, it's actually, they're growing it. So the the founder and sort of, it's still a growing thing, but they're actually in Australia growing it really rapidly at the moment. And I've tried a whole lot of acting techniques, but I really liked this one because it's about using physical sort of movement and different things to evoke emotion, um, which I think is just so useful for you know they're finding there's use of it for people that are in you know CEOs in different you know different fields whatever you're doing it's um it's really proven to help and it really helped me with acting and something that just has helped me in life and I think it's you know such a great technique and something that you know is really emerging and people should you know look into if you're interested
0: absolutely um let's get to the four practical pathways to to give the people something that they can implement right now if they're like in a bad space or if they just want to feel better um, emotionally and mentally so the first thing is as the title of the book is move your mind is exercising and i'm a huge fan of of all kinds of sports i love it but what can somebody do maybe who like isn't a big fan of physical exercise or who doesn't do it regularly because it's not a habit like what would you suggest where to start i would say
1: again just do anything and i, I think everything comes down to habit. so if you want to make something into a habit you have got to do it regularly and after about a month your brain starts to rewire and it becomes habitual so doing it on a regular basis for a month until it becomes conditioned then you'll start enjoying it so if you hate exercise look, making it simple thinking okay what's something i can tolerate maybe it's going for a really light jog for 15 minutes maybe it's walking the dog even maybe it's going to the gym for 15 minutes or i don't know playing soccer with your friend whatever it is finding what what can i actually handle and making it pretty simple i want to do that activity three times a week for 15 minutes for example so something that sounds easy that you can actually stick to and then just do that for a month or so and just stick to it because you know, it's how we're wired. We like to have routine. We like certainty. So once you rewire your brain to make it feel like a natural, normal thing for you, you're more likely to stick to it. You're more likely to increase the um, regularity of it and, you know, go from there. So I think that's probably, you know, what I'd say for people that don't want to do it.
0: Yeah. And even just taking a walk is like so good to to clear your mind and organize your thoughts and everything. Me and my girlfriend, we actually every day that it's possible to to take the time, we go for a walk in our local park, you know, just connect with nature and it's so good. Unfortunately we can't do it every day, but you know, it doesn't have to be every day, as you said. So I highly recommend for everybody who who's like, Oh, I don't wanna go to the gym or anything, just go for a walk. Even just thirty minutes in nature and like your mind will be so still and clear. It will it's awesome, yeah. One hundred percent. The next, the next thing is nutrition. Now, this is, in my opinion, it's a little less straightforward than the exercise part because it's a little more complicated. But um, you talk about ex- like not just general healthy nutrition, but there are actual foods and stuff that you should avoid for certain reasons. So can you maybe <laughs> share with the people some like some of the foods that they might not touch if they want to make sure that their brain is like on, on spot, on top. Yeah,
1: I guess what I would say, you know, and nutrition is an area that we've bought in with Move Your Mind more recently. But in in general, I think, you know, there's so much information. It's like all these fitness trends and all all the different things. There's so many different diets, so many different things people can do. I think at the end of the day, Just using logic for it so you know what how can i just have a balanced diet how can i eat fresh foods how can i limit the junk that i eat not have we have too much sugar and all that kind of thing but in in a really simple way because i think the logical things are the things that stand the test of time and that are sustainable to do so looking at it okay you know it's okay to have a bit of junk but i shouldn't do that all the time i need to drink enough water every day i need to eat enough you know all the basic things that we're taught Eat eat at regular times um are things we should do, so I think really just simplifying it, not trying to you know stick not trying to do anything too drastic and just making it enjoyable and sustainable is is so important
0: yeah and and you talk about especially sugar has such a big impact on our physical health but also on our mental health and and i'm <laughs> I'm someone I love sugary sweet things. And I often catch myself like I'm eating way too much of it, and then I kind of um, lower the amount of of stuff I eat because, as you said, it's it's just you feel a lot more um, like mentally ready, and like your mind is just a lot um, more ready for stuff if you don't put bad fuel into your your body. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you follow some kind of diet? Like, are you vegetarian? Do you do intermittent fasting or something like that? Um,
1: I don't actually. I I tried the intermittent fasting a little bit, and you know, there's a lot of people that are doing that now. There's a lot of sort of research around that. Um, but for me, I um, try and just eat as balanced as I can. I, I'm not super strict about what I do or don't eat, so I just. And, you know, it's probably sleep and diet, which obviously two of the most important areas have been things I've needed to improve on. But I just try and, you know, eat regularly, eat enough good foods, allow myself to eat junk. I train every day. I train really hard. So I think I, you know, can be a bit more lenient with what I do and don't eat. But in general, just keep it balanced and not overthink it because, you know, I think food's such an enjoyable part of life. um, So I think we should enjoy it in, in a healthy way. So for me, it's just... You know trying to be just keep it simple
0: mm. yeah that's that's the best advice i guess so yeah. the the third thing that you talk about is connecting your mind and that's mainly about technology and relationships we've covered the part of technology and you you've also said that in relationship it's important mm-hmm. to to be present with the people you're interacting with and you mentioned a couple of great things to connect personally with other people. Like you say that it's good to schedule a movie night with friends or schedule a game night where you play board games or stuff like that. So I actually highlighted all of these ideas because I thought, yeah, that's that's so true. That's the best way really to build friendships and just spend quality time with these people. So I love that. Do you have some kind of routine or like do you do you have the intent of doing this like once a week or once a month or how do you implement that or schedule that into your daily routine
1: well yeah I think it's so important that we are connected to people and I don't have a routine with it but I I guess I've made it part organically of my life I've got close friends I've got people I interact with daily I spend you know quality time with people I try and do you know different things I think getting out into nature making time to just talk I think really for me, it's just also being able to just have really deep and meaningful conversations with people, talking about real things. Um, I probably should do more of the activity type stuff because it is so enjoyable when you do it. You know, I went and played, um, forgot the name of it, some sort of racket game the other Saturday in New York and, you know, I really enjoyed it. I don't make enough time to do that because, I don't know, you get caught up with other things, but... I think it is important, you know, and we enjoy it because it's doing these activities that we actually are going to get joy out of and remind us, you know, that there's other elements of life. So I think it's, yeah, such an important thing.
0: I totally agree. Yeah. So to kind of wrap this up, there's one question that I that I ask all the guests on here, and you might know where I'm getting at. Yeah. <laughs> the show is the show is called called The Power of Books, and I'm curious. I want to know which book has impacted my guests life the most if you can name one or two
1: i yeah i was going to say can i do two Cause there's two that sure, were really yeah. so the first one was um the power of now by eckhart tole so i i read that it was recommended to me when i was going through that really difficult time and i didn't really know a lot about this personal development space and about you know meditation and all that sort of thing and i read that book and i remember I would read, you know, one or two pages and I'd have to keep stopping because everything was just such, you know, such rich information. It was explained in such a clear way that I'd just be taking these things in and sitting there and thinking about it and that happened throughout the whole book and I just took so much out of it and I ended up reading it another few times and um, I just found it so valuable and the way that it's written, the way that he talks about it, the points that he makes and something I want to listen to again um, you know, after just talking about it now, so I think that was really impactful on my life, and I read it at a time when I really needed it. Uh, and then in more recent times, the book that I read that really resonated with me was called *The Surrender Experiment*. I don't know if you know this one, um, by Michael Michael A. Singer. Um, I think it, it is his name, and he yep. did another book called *The Untethered Soul*. Um, he's huge in that meditation world he's also incredibly successful as a businessman and that book was i just couldn't put it down it was incredible you know he's talking about this surrender thing of um you know and he got into meditation in i think it was the 60s or 70s or whatever it was before it was you know people thought he was crazy and he was going down this academic path and he decided to get into meditation and move into the middle of nowhere and made this decision that he would just surrender and say yes to whatever was put in front of him and it led him down all these crazy pathways um and led to this insane success and things that he couldn't have imagined doing and it was just one of those books where um yeah i found it incredibly impactful um actually and can i do one more i just thought of the other one that i loved this was because i yeah one that's not about personal development this was um Scar Tissue by Anthony Kiedis, the Red Hot Chili Pepper singer. Um, that was a, one of those rare books where I just, from page one, I couldn't put it down. You know, read the whole thing in one sitting and his story is just phenomenal. He's so great at explaining at how he just tells that story and I love that book. So they would be, you know, my top three.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing these. I've read the first one, Power of No, and I'm, I also really liked it. But I realized that because I read it in English and that's not my, my native language. So I realized it's a little complex if you don't read it in your mother language. So I got to reread it, but in German next time. For and sure. then the
1: other... I was going to say your English is really, really good.
0: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And the other two, actually, I haven't read yet, but I've heard great things, especially about uh, Michael Singer's books. Yeah. Definitely. So thanks for sharing these
1: no problem no thank you so much for having me on here i've really enjoyed the the chat
0: and and lastly i want to leave people with this when when people want to check out your stuff or connect with you what's the best way for them to do that
1: yeah so the best way would be um going to my personal website which is just nickbrax.com um that's got information on my podcast my book um other things we're doing and then if they go to my other website for Move Your Mind, which is MoveYourMind.me, um, that's got information about what we do. It's got a community section where you can join our community program. We have a subscription where people can, you know, get behind the scenes access to different um, events that we're putting on, videos, you know, learning programs. There's about fifty hours worth of, of actual courses that we've created and a whole range of other things um and then the other part would just be on social media if you want to find me on tiktok or instagram um instagram's nick brax tiktok's nick's is nick brax official um they would be the main things
0: awesome yeah and i will link to these pages in the show notes as well so people can directly access them i appreciate it well thank you so much for being an ambassador for this topic and speaking out about it and kind of, yeah, just spreading the message. Uh, this is really important conversations to have. So I really appreciate that you took the time today and and we talked about this. And I hope the listeners enjoyed this. And thank you so much. Thank you so
1: much. And I, you know, I really enjoyed it. Love what you're doing and I uh, appreciate you having me on here. And um, yeah, I would love to stay in touch and hopefully we can, you know, support what each other are doing. So, yeah hopefully do it again soon
0: for sure. All right. Hope you enjoyed it, everyone. And see you next time. Bye-bye. All right. That's it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the power of books. As always, you will find all the relevant links for today's episode in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to subscribe so that you will get notified whenever a new episode drops. And you would do us a huge favor if you could give us a five-star review on your favorite platform. I hope to see you next week. And until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep growing. Bye-bye.